Hey, welcome to Access. John here. We're going to be sponsoring a project graduation on June 1st uh, for graduating seniors. It's going to run from 11 p.m. to 6 a.m., so an all-night lock-in. And we are in need of financial sponsors and adult chaperones to make this event successful. So uh, we really hope you'll keep that in prayer and follow the Lord's direction. If you need more information, you can get in contact with me. Also, if you like golf, there's an associational golf tournament on May 17th. And if you want to be a part of it, it's $25 a person, and you're going to need a partner. Uh, today we're going to study John chapter 10 and talk about our nature with the Good Shepherd. So grab a Bible and turn to John 10, 1 through 21, because this message is entitled, Sheep, Wolves, Snakes, and Doves. If you were an animal, what animal would you be? The other day, um, during our time off, Erin uh, and I took the boys to the zoo, and as we were walking out of the zoo, she asked me this question, and I really had to think about it for a minute. And I told her, well, I'd probably be a big cat. Maybe not a lion, but maybe a panther or a cheater or che- cheetah or something like that. Not a cheater. Now, it's a good question when you think about it. I- I'm sure we all know some people who might resemble hyenas and that they have a ridiculous laugh or-, or people that we think of as pigs who just eat just about anything and live in their filth. I mean, I'd consider my kids that way. But may- maybe you've seen pictures of people who look exactly like their dogs and and you know, you can think, well, you know, that's their spirit animal, so to speak. But as I was studying this week, um, I discovered that I'm not a big cat or a hawk or something really cool like that. No, God showed me that I'm a sheep. (laughs) And I don't want to be a sheep. I mean, sheep are vulnerable and they're stupid and they're defenseless and they're weak. I don't want to be a weak animal. I want to be strong. I want to be at the top of the food chain. But God showed me this week that I am at the very bottom. I mean, it is a modern marvel that sheep have survived as long as they have. I mean, they have absolutely no defense mechanism. I mean, every kind of other kind of animal in the world can defend itself, even deer. I mean, sheep can't even lift their hind legs behind a certain point, so they can't even really kick very well. Jesus regularly refers to his his, his church as sheep in Scripture, and hopefully by the end of this message, you will understand why. Today we're going to dive into the first part of John chapter 10, which is known as the Good Shepherd Discourse. And the focus of this passage centers on the relationship between God and mankind. Now if you remember in John chapter 9, Jesus healed a blind man from birth, and because he did this on the Sabbath, he ties into it with the religious leaders. He tells them, if you would just admit your blindness, then your sins would be forgiven. But because you claim you can see your guilt remains. And so now we're going to pick up in John chapter 10, starting with verses 1 through 6. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up in some other way, he is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them. And the sheep follow him because they know his voice. A stranger they simply will not follow, but will flee from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech, Jesus spoke to them. They did not understand those things in which he was saying to them. So, in this passage, Jesus gives a discourse to the Pharisees of the Sanhedrin uh, who were thieves. He tells them that they were thieves and that they were robbers. Uh, look at look at the verse 1. He says, Truly, truly, I say to you. 
Now, if you remove the chapter number, chapter 10, and just read this together, it makes so much sense. He was continuing his conversation with the religious leaders. He says, He who does not enter by the door into the fold of the sheep, but climbs up in some other way, he is a thief and a robber. Well, in biblical days, sheep were not kept the same way that they are today. See, today, if you were to keep a sheep, you get yourself some lamb, maybe some sheep dogs to help bring them in, and you just... Uh, keep your flock separated from everyone else's livestock all the time. But in biblical days, sheep were kept at night in a community pen. You would take your sheep out to graze during the day, uh, but at night, if you wanted to go back home and eat, you would return to town and bring your sheep into a large area that everyone else kept their sheep in. And you would hire a door or a gatekeeper to guard the only way in or out. And his role would be to keep unauthorized people out and to keep the sheep in. And the next morning, the shepherd would go to the gate, and the gatekeeper would let him in, and the the shepherd would call to his sheep. The only way to separate the sheep from the other flocks would be to call them out. And Jesus says, the sheep know my voice. So the sheep would recognize the shepherd's voice and that they would come when he calls. Well, in this passage, Jesus draws contrast between the shepherd and the robbers and the thieves. The shepherds had a legitimate reason to be with the sheep and they would enter through the doors. Thieves and robbers, who didn't have a legitimate reason to be with the sheep, would climb the wall or find some other way in. You see, shepherds care for the sheep. They care about the sheep. Thieves and robbers only care about themselves. Now, the irony here is that the Jewish leaders consider themselves to be shepherds because that's what God called them to be. They were appointed to care for the flock, but all they seemed to be interested in was gouging the people with steep taxes and getting rich in the temple which, by the way, explains why Jesus would be so angry in the temple and he'd make a whip and drive out all the money changers and livestock. These leaders had no concern for what they would call, quote, sinners, and they had no concern for their fellow man. They were only interested in their own personal well-being, spiritual and financial. They were thieves and they were robbers. And if you're wondering what's the difference, a thief steals from the victim unknowingly. Uh, At least, they don't know until later on. A robber steals from a victim in broad daylight, usually extorting them or by threatening them with violence or some sort of blackmail. Now, we saw in John uh, John chapter 9 how the people were threatened openly of excommunication if they acknowledged Christ as the Messiah. You see, these people were, these, these men, these religious men, were stealing away not only wealth and property, but their eternal, the people's eternal inheritance as God's people as well. They threatened the people with violence and excommunication if they didn't follow their rules and acknowledge Jesus as the Messiah. If they did if they did this, if they acknowledged him as the Son of God, they were thrown out, that their, their property was confiscated. Now, they were climbing over the walls to get to the sheep. They were extorting them. They were threatening them, even killing them. And Jesus was telling them, you're not the shepherds of the sheep. You're the thieves and the robbers. Now, Ezekiel chapter 34, verses 1 through 5, accurately describes God's feeling towards the Jewish leaders for his sheep. Listen to this. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to these shepherds, Thus says the Lord God, Woe, shepherds of Israel, who has been feeding themselves. You should not shepherd, should you not shepherd the flock? Should you not feed the flock? You, you, you eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fat sheep without feeding the flock. Those who are sickly you have not strengthened. The diseased you have not healed. The broken you have not bound up. The scattered you have not brought back, nor have you sought for the lost. 
but with force and severity you have dominated them. They were scattered for a lack of a shepherd, and they became food for every beast of the field, and they were scattered. You see, when God looked at the corruption of his people, he laid the responsibility at the feet of the appointed shepherds. They weren't kind and loving towards the flock. They didn't care for the flock. No, they were harsh and they were cruel. And because of that, the sheep were scattered all over. And God looked at them and held them responsible. And he says, no more. I will handle this myself. The shepherds are going to be replaced with one good shepherd. This, this speaks to the priesthood of all believers, which I severely or I supremely uh, encourage you to look into. Now, I want to touch on verse 3 just before we move on because I think this is such an incredible verse. It says, Jesus said to him, the doorkeeper opens, talking about the shepherd. And the sheep hear his voice, and he calls out his own sheep by name and leans them out. Now, I want to do a little exercise um, just real quick to hopefully show you how incredible this verse is. Next time you're in church, look around and see if you can name every person in the room. Now, our church is only around 100 people, and, and, and we see each other just about every other Sunday, every Sunday. However, I confess, I'm unable to say that I, I know beyond a shadow of doubt everybody's name. Not only do the sheep know the shepherd, but the shepherd knows each of them by name. Jesus knows your name. Now that gets even more complicated when you consider there's over 37 million churches, just churches, in the world. Not talking about all the people in those churches, but Jesus knows his sheep by name. Now if you really think about it, do you want to know how you can learn everyone's name? Spend time with them, each of them individually. I want to read John chapter 10 verses 7 through 10 before I go into that. It kind of gives you some perspective how Jesus said, not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They said, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and do many miracles and cast out demons? And he says, depart from me, you workers of evil, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. They didn't, they didn't know him and he didn't know their name. So, John chapter 10, verses 7 through 10, Jesus said to them again, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me, all who came before me, were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus is the true shepherd. Not the Pharisees, not the religious elite. Jesus is the true shepherd. Now, often I've had people ask me the question, how can I know when God is speaking to me? And not just my own mind answering from God for God. And I think this is a good question. Now, if people ask me this, I generally answer uh, by asking them a question. Would you know your mom's ver- voice if you heard it? Now, this is incredible. A newborn baby amazingly knows its mother's voice because it spent nine inseparable months hearing her speak, listening to her voice. And so when, when the baby finally comes, then, then the baby is able to recognize his or her mother's voice. Now, I always knew my mom's voice because she made it really easy. She was extremely loud, which, by the way, is where I get it from. But I remember being in church as a kid, listening to the choir sing, 10, 15, sometimes 30 people singing together, and I could always pick out my mother's voice out of all the people singing. Again, she made it easy. She was pretty loud. But if, if you want to know... If it's really God audibly speaking to you, this is what I would tell you. 
spend intimate time with him. And the best way to do that is by studying his word. The Bible is God's uh, God speaking to you. And the more you study it, the more you'll be able to recognize his voice when he audibly speaks to you. Maybe not audible for everyone else, but it's at least audible for us. Jesus said the sheep don't follow a stranger's voice. Sure, thieves and robbers can drag them away, but they'll never follow them. They only follow those who they have intimate uh, intimate knowledge and concern. Uh, somebody who has intimate knowledge and concern for them. So, uh, commonly, when we read verses like John 10.10, 10, we immediately identify the, the, the John 10.10 10 is the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, we, we immediately identify the thief as being Satan, and, and rightly so, because that's what he is. However, in this verse, if you connect it to the rest of the verses in this passage, Jesus isn't talking directly about Satan. He's talking about the instruments of Satan, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's talking about the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin. He says the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, the thief's only concern is about himself and how many people he can take advantage of and maybe even profit out of or even kill. Now, Jesus said, I have come that the sheep may have life in pasture, that they can come in and out, and that they can have life abundantly. See, the sheep are to have lives of fullness, experiencing and fulfilling the purpose that God created them for. I want to continue reading John chapter 10, verses 11 through 21. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand is not the shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees a wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. Even as the Father knows me, I know the Father, and I lay my life down for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, and I might take it up again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This is the commandment I have received from my Father. A division occurred among the Jews because of these words, and many of them were saying, He has a demon and is insane. Why do you listen to him? Others were saying, These are not the sayings of a demon-possessed man. Could a demon come and and open the eyes of a blind? Now, I, I really love this passage because it shows how Jesus cares for his flock with his own life. Here we see uh, another of the seven I am statements. First we saw that uh, you know, he says, I am the door. And here he says, I am the good shepherd. You see, he draws contrast here between the shepherd and the hired hand. He says the shepherd cares so much for the flock that he'll lay down his life protecting the sheep. A hired hand, in contrast, will cut and run when there's trouble. He doesn't care about the sheep the way the shepherd does because they don't belong to him. He cares about his own life more than the well-being of the sheep. However, I don't want you to draw the conclusion that the Jewish leaders are, 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 the, are the hired hands here. No, they're the wolves. Now, I read this week about the hunting rituals of wolves, and I was just blown away by what I found. You see, wolves aren't strong, powerful hunters. No, wolves are opportunists because they look for the best opportunity to take down their prey. Wolves trail a herd sometimes days before making their attack, looking for an animal that displays any sign of weakness. 
You see, they, they, they choose their environment carefully. And if, if too many factors are in the prey's favor, then they will just sit back and they'll wait. You see, it's far better to stay hungry for a little while than completely miss an opportunity as a, at, a, at a meal. See, every wolf in the pack has a role. For example, uh, the young aren't even a part of the attack. They sit on the sidelines and they watch until they're old enough to participate. They learn from the older wolves on how to work together and take down their prey. For a pack of wolves to take down an animal, they don't rely upon the element of surprise. You see, what they do is they chase and they harass their prey until their prey is completely exhausted. You see, what wolves lack in power and speed, they make up for in endurance and coordination. Like females, they, they wrangle the prey. Everything, every, every animal, every wolf has a function. Like males, they wrangle the prey. They run them back and forth and, and, and corral them. Maybe they snap at them so the prey will, will begin to lose blood. Most prey who die from wolf attacks don't die from being tackled and trampled like a lion might. Most die from shock or blood loss. And when the prey has run as much as it is able, it either collapses in exhaustion or blood loss, and that's when the stronger, more powerful males will come in and attach themselves to the prey's mouth, and that they will hold on and they will suffocate that prey on its own blood. And when it's finally died, the wolves, uh, uh, they, they come in and they feast. You see, when wolves attack, it's a massively coordinated group effort. They rely upon endurance and teamwork. And in every pack, there's what's known as the alpha male. And this is generally the oldest or most powerful male. The alpha male might not even kill the animal. Its role and function is simply to select the prey for slaughter. And if you're, you're still not convinced that the Jewish leaders are the wolves in this story, I want to point, to, point you to a passage in John uh, that we haven't yet read. John chapter 11. I'm going to read verses 47 through 53. It says, Therefore the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council and were saying, What are we doing? For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him, and the Romans will come in and take away both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, Knowing, no, no, you guys know nothing at all, nor do you take into account that it's expedient for you, for one man to die for the people that the whole nation not perish. Now, I think this is interesting because he, he, uh, he, he says this not knowing that he's actually prophesying and that God, that's exactly what Jesus was doing, that he, he was dying for the entire nation. Now, he did not say this on his own initiative, but being a high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation. Verse 52, and not for that nation only, but in order that he might also gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. So John gives you some perspective. He says, let me tell you how cool God is. He meant this for harm. God used it for good. Verse 53, listen to this. So from that day on, they planned together how to kill him. You see the alpha male, Caiaphas, he selected the kill. And the rest of the wolves are opportunists. They're looking for the, for the way that they might kill Christ. And, and the Jewish leaders uh, and, and Caiaphas being the alpha male, they selected the prey for slaughter. And Jesus was standing in their way to harass and exploit the people because he is the good shepherd. He was selected for attack. And Jesus said the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Just really quickly, I want to talk about John chapter 10, verse 16, where Jesus says, I have other sheep 
which are not of this fold. Now, I've heard before people trying to use this verse to say that Jesus had believers on Mars or Jupiter or some other world out in a galaxy somewhere far away, which, you know, God can do whatever he wants. However, in this passage, Jesus wasn't talking about Martians. He's talking about Gentiles. Remember, he's talking to the Jewish leaders, and he says, I must bring them in also that they may, may hear, they will hear my voice, and they will become one flock with one shepherd. Jesus is talking about the establishment of the church, which is comprised of all nations who hear his voice and acknowledge him as Savior and as Lord and as God. Now, this is a huge theological statement because without it, without this passage we would not have been given an opportunity to be a part of the church. You see, we aren't cats or hawks or alligators or wolves or lions or anything else. We're sheep. We're sheep. And I know that's uncomfortable. We don't want to be sheep. I want to be something. I want to be something at the top of the food chain, but we're not. We're at the very bottom. You see, sheep commonly... They get a bad rap as being stupid. But the truth is, they're not stupid. They're simply vulnerable. They have traits that they were innately instilled with that make them easier to be domesticated. For example, uh, I read a story in 2006. It was reported that 400 sheep needlessly died in eastern Turkey. You see, what happened is one sheep decided it was going to try to swim across a 15-foot deep river, and it ended up drowning because of their nature. Uh, end up drowning and because of their nature the, the other sheep followed it and they drowned as well now you look at that and goes, God, sheep are stupid but it isn't because they were stupid but because they're natural followers even from birth lambs are taught to follow the older members of the flocks the ewes or the uh the, the mothers will will bat at the at the little lambs and the lambs are, are taught to follow the older sheep Sheep are social creatures. They become agitated and highly stressed if they can't see the other sheep where they graze. You you see, we were designed to stay in fellowship with the rest of the flock. This is the the sheep's only defense mechanism from predators, to stay with the rest of the flock. You see, there's strength in numbers. And this is also what allows shepherds to care for large numbers of sheep at once. They stay together. See, their desire is to stay with the other sheep. Their senses are extremely attuned, for if they didn't pay attention to their surrounding environment, they likely wouldn't survive. Without a shepherd, the sheep would eventually become extinct. You see, our our shepherd, he cares for us so much that he protects his sheep. He even laid down his life for his sheep. In Matthew 9.36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Now, I want to try to give you some perspective on on your life as a sheep. The world, it is full of wolves. And these can come come in forms of attack, in all kinds of forms of attack from Satan. And if you think about it, most of the time, we're not attacked with a surprise attack or we didn't see that coming. No, we are constantly harassed and worn out until we collapse. Now, this could be because of financial stress, family drama, goodness gracious, battling an addiction, marital problems, death of a loved one, health problems, depression, greed, self-righteousness, attacks from other believers, you name it. 
Each of these things are designed by Satan himself to cause us to withdraw, to turn away and spend time in isolation. That we, we feel like we don't belong with the rest of the flock. That we should be out by ourselves where we are completely defenseless. Each of these things are designed to blind us from our best defense. That we must stay in fellowship with other believers and look to the shepherd for protection. You say, well, they killed our shepherd. Yes, that's true. But Jesus says in verses 17 and 18, For this reason the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I might take it up again. No one has taken, uh, taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have the authority to lay it down. I have the authority to take it up again. And this commandment I received from my Father. At the end of today's passage, you can see how the words of Christ created division among the people listening. Some said, hey, well, he's a demon. Others said, no, there's no way. Well, let me share the gospel with you really quick. The gospel is that all of us are sinners. Every single one of us thinks that from time to time we can make it out on our own. But we are helpless and we are defenseless against the attacks and temptations of Satan. We couldn't be righteous even if we wanted to. We have each broken God's law, and because the law has been broken, there must be punishment. God sent his son Jesus to pay for our sins upon the cross. He laid down his life by his own initiative. They didn't take it from him. He says, I lay it down. And he was crucified, and he died upon the cross. And they took him down, and they put him in a tomb. And on the third day, he rose from the grave. If we will just repent and put our faith and trust in Him as our shepherd, as our Lord and Savior, we will be made a new creation. We will still be harassed by wolves. Jesus told His disciples in John chapter 10, verse 16, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves, so be as shrewd as serpents and innocent as doves. To think that we should be foolish and be, live completely unaware of what's going on around us. To, to think that, 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 that we should put ourselves in dangerous situations is not only foolish, it's laughable. Jesus said, be shrewd. Be as shrewd or as wise as a serpent. The other day, Aaron found a, a five to six foot rat snake squirming across the road uh, as she was running. And uh, she got close enough to take a picture and send it to me just to freak me out. And it cut and ran, or should I say squirmed off. The snakes, though, as nasty as they are, they don't put themselves in dangerous situations. They're, they're aware of their environment, and when they feel in danger, they, they shuffle off. But we should also be as innocent as doves. Not doing something would make it easy for others to accuse us of wrongdoing and take our lives. Now, if you haven't noticed, I never told you in this story who the hired hand was. And I believe Jesus uh, clarifies this at the end of the book of John. You see, he takes a time out with Peter, the man who denied him three times, his, his friend and his follower. And he says to Peter, do you love me? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, tend my lambs. Again, he asked Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, shepherd my sheep. Again, Jesus asked Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter, Scripture tells us Peter was hurt that he had been asked a third time, do you love me? And he responds, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. And I, I just kind of feel like he, what he was saying there was, 
you know I love you, but I can't be the person you want me to be. Not on my own. I've tried and I've failed. But Jesus looked at him and he said, Tend my sheep. Now, I think this is a significant passage because before God is upset and unhappy with the way that his his flock is being cared for, and he tells Simon Peter, It's your job to feed my sheep. Tend them. Care for them. At the very best, I, I just want to say this, I am a hired hand. And I, I think that's why you shouldn't look to me, but to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. You see, my tendency is just like that of Simon Peter, to cut and run when there's trouble. But Because of the love of the good shepherd, I'm learning to watch him and care for the sheep the way that he does. And I think that is that my most vulnerable prayer. Because I know I couldn't care for you the way the shepherd does. I don't want you to look to me. You must look to Christ. But as Christ's hired hand, it is my prayer that I might learn to care for you the way that he does. I I just want to take an opportunity and say thank you for your patience with me. I I had a lot going on, and that's why I took the month off. It was really all internally. I know that you love me because you love the shepherd. And sometimes your love, I just got to confess, sometimes your love for me goes by without being noticed and or appreciated. I am a spoiled hired hand. And I'm just thankful I have my deacons around me who can tell me the truth, even when it's hard or puts them in a difficult position. And I want you to know they do. And I'm thankful for it. Most importantly, I'm just happy to be back with the sheep once again. Aaron and I both really missed our time away from you and are very, very excited about the green pastures that God is going to lead us to because he is the answer for an abundant life. So may the Lord bless you and may he keep you. May his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. And hopefully we'll see you back next week. Hey, thanks again for listening. We pray that God blessed you through this message and has given you a clear direction for your life. Please remember to download our church app by searching FBC Rungi in Google Play or iTunes. And remember to subscribe to our podcast so that you never miss another message. If you have any questions about today's message, you can contact us via Facebook or Twitter or use our website. Until then, we hope that you share in our vision to help people take root, grow, and bear fruit. And if so, then let's get out there and get to work.